So the title for this week is the Ramban's validation of necromancy and other forms of magic. The Ramban has a long uh, piece in this week's Sedra where he talks about magic and the approach to, to necromancy. Before we start with the Ramban-specific approach, the Ramban acknowledges something about humans that I think is very interesting and important. The Ramban darshans from the Pasuk. The Pasuk says that, that it's a toyeva, it's an abomination, kol oisei ele. Kol, whoever does um, these things, it's an abomination. Who does all of these things? But it doesn't say... It says, Kol Eila. It doesn't say, Eisei Kol Eila. Who's doing these things is an abomination. But it doesn't say that <coughs> somebody who's Eisei Kol Eila. Somebody who's doing all of these things is an abomination. So the Rabban points out that not every one of these magical practices is an abomination. Only some of them are. And the Ramban takes out of the equation of being a Taeva any magic that is really associated with trying to discern and determine the future. So Nichosh Me'aynenum Nachesh, according to the Ramban, is not a Taeva. That is not a situation that would go into being called an abomination. Says the Ramban, why not? Because it's very normal for human beings to want to attempt to discern, to determine what the future lies. So therefore, even though it's an abomination, the Torah says for someone who's engaging in all of these things, um, the, 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 the language of the Chumash is kol rather than Isaac kol because the person is the one who's being abominable when he's doing all of the things, but not that each and every one of those things is itself abominable. But obviously there are certain magical tricks, there are certain magical implements that the Ramban would agree are in fact Tehavas. And why is it that Hashem is preventing us from engaging in utilizing these various these variations of magic. There's so many different types. Why is the Torah, in fact, attempting to prevent us from utilizing it? Says the Ramban, because of the way the Pasuk concludes, the Torah wants human beings, the Torah wants the Jewish people to be attuned to Hashem alone. Says the Rabban, We should be solely attuned to Hashem. And we should believe that He alone is the prime mover. He alone is the one who's doing everything. And he knows all of the future. And if we want to darshan, we want to figure out what the future lies, there are approved methodologies of being able to determine what the future is. Namely, go to the Navi. Go ask the Kain God about those are approved ways to ask about the future. What is not approved is to go to the necromancer, to go to the tarot card reader, to go to somebody who speaks to birds. That, that is not approved. But fundamentally, the need for human beings to try to determine the future is understood. And it's not necessarily abomination, although other magical practices are. But the Torah doesn't want us to be running 
to these non-approved methods to be able to determine the future. The Torah wants us to use approved methods. And what is the approved methods? It's the Navi. It is the kind God of the Umvitumen. Because we are to realize that HaKadosh Baruch alone is the prime mover. He alone is the one who knows really what's going to happen in the future. And everything is fully and solely reliant upon him. So therefore, says the Ramban, After we come along and we warn against doing all of these inappropriate means of attempting to determine the future, then we conclude with Tom Tim Hashem that we should be wholesome with HaKadosh Baruch and we can still attempt to find out things about the future, but only through the approved channels, which are the Navi or the Umvatumim. So what we see from here, and the Rambam will make this much clearer, is that there seem to be approved channels to foretell the future and non-approved channels, prohibited channels to predict the future, both of which are equally valid in their ability to predict the future, but one may not utilize one while one may use the other. That seems to be what the approach of the Ramban is. And as we'll see, the Ramban creates a hierarchy of the ability to predict and to discern the future. Says the Ramban like this, and this is in this week's Sajra, the Ramban says that a person should know a person should know with regards to Kishof and God created the word ex nilo. Also, He created the world in a hierarchical sense, where, as you go up further up the chain, it sort of is in charge of those lower than it on the chain. So therefore, Hashem gave power over what's going on in this world to the stars, to the constellations. And the way they exercise that power is through their gaze at us here on earth. The gaze is an important thing for the Ramban. We don't have time to go into it right now, but we've mentioned before the Ramban believed in relation to Anida that Mabotan Ra, that her steer, her gaze was, was ruinous, it would be terrible, and she could cause destruction by merely looking. And the example that the Ramban gives is that uh, Anita could look into a mirror and blood will come out of it. It had to be a, uh, a good mirror, a new one. So the Ramban is saying that affairs here on earth are controlled by the Kachavim and Mazales, by the stars, by the constellations above, and they are controlling what's going on down here by virtue of their sort of gaze on what's going on there their interest, their involvement with the affairs down below. And then the Ramban continues, and he says, and this is known, right? this is what's known in, in the wisdom of astrology. And you should be known, you should be aware, says the Ramban, that on top of the constellations, on top of the Kechavim and Mazales, there are additional angels, there are additional types of powers that control the constellations, that control the stars themselves. And they're therefore more ultimately powerful than the Kechavim and Mazales alone. 
וסורם שהם נפש להם, והנה הנהגוסה מאיזה יוסם עד לעולם, ועד גזיר של יונם אשר שם להם. So they have a certain power, and the Kachav and Mazalas, which themselves have a power on what's going on in this world, it's sort of like a Chagadia situation. And this has always been the case. However, continues the, the Ramban, continues the Ramban, that, that this is a, an amazing one. The Ravulhim Niflois this is something amazing and wonderful. That the way that the angels on top of the constellations, on top of the earth, are able to overpower and overcome the forces of the constellations that are dominating what's going on here on earth. The way they do it, says the Ramban, is they have the ability to turn things around. They have the ability to turn around what's going on below them. And the Ramban gives the example of like, could be a nega, right? Something that's pleasurable. If you turn around the letters, Aineg becomes nega. Or, you know, it reminds me of the, the famous joke about minig can also be Gehenim. So, if you turn it around, says the Ramban, uh, Aineg can become a neg or vice versa. And that's the way that the angels, on top of the Kechavim Azalais, on top of the earth, are able to exercise ultimate control over what's going on down here. That's how the Ramban opens up. Then the Ramban continues. And he quotes a book called the Sefer Halavana. The Sefer Halavana was written by I don't know who, who was a big expert in necromancy. The Book of the Moon. And what does it say in the Book of the Moon? It says like this. It says that when the moon is in a certain state, the, the, the way the Sefer Alavana writes, when the moon is Beresh Tleh, as this is just an example, then it causes certain things to happen. And if you do certain things, certain things are beneficial. But if the moon is in a different place in sort of its celestial uh, run around the earth, and at that point in time, Maybe the very opposite things are necessary. If you do the things that you would have otherwise done, they'll actually be terribly harmful. So that is to say, depending on where the moon is at a specific time, that'll have an impact here on Earth. So again, in the understanding of the Ramban, there is, of course, the power that we exert here on Earth, but then there's a power above us that's exerted on us from the constellations and the stars that surround us. And then on top of them, there are the angels that exert power and the ability to change what the stars and the constellations might otherwise be portending. And the specific example that he's giving here is not the far out Kechav it's just the moon. And the moon, depending on where it is at a certain time of the year, can pretend good things or bad things and we can sort of counteract or countermand that by doing certain things or the opposite thereof depending on where the moon is at a given time <coughs> that's what the Ramban says quoting the Sefer Alavana and this is says the Ramban Vehine. This is the standard, the natural approach of the moon. However, however, and this is what Hashem wanted. This is the standard way the moon can impact the earth, and this is what Hashem wanted. Again, 
Halavana Bekarach Manigel. Avol, he says, Anhaga, Pshuta Shevim Halacha, who covets a bari is barach, Asher Shambahem, Meoz. This is the way Hashem started in motion. This is the way it's always been meant to be. And then he continues. And he says, Vizeh Hippoch, Vizeh Sodak Shopim, Vikoycham, Shamu Bahem, Shem Machishim, Pamaya Shamala. He says, This is the reason, this is the way, the ability for Kishif to work, to know what the constellations signify, to know when certain stars and certain constellations are in certain places, what that means. This is the Chachma of Kishif. This is what Hashem set into place from the very beginning of time. This is what we would call today the wisdom of astrology. So what we see is that the, Ram, the Ramban is accepting the val- validity of necromancy, is accepting the validity of the magical practices of the occult, of the Nichosh. He accepts all of this as being valid, not only does he accept it as being valid, he says that this is how God set it in motion, and that there is a hierarchy of power in relation to the constellations, the angels above the constellations, and of course, God above the angels. But that's how power can be exerted, even, and even though it's not obvious here on earth, but those that are sufficiently trained and wise in the wisdom of astrology, they can understand what these things mean and therefore can do things potentially either to foretell the future, potentially to counteract or countermand it by doing appropriate things to um, ward off the effects or to sustain the effects of where these constellations will be at specific times. This is what the Ramban says. Then the, um, then the Ramban continues, and he says like this, that the Torah is forbidding these practices. The Torah is forbidding these practices. The Torah is saying, says the Ramban, The Torah forbids us from attempting to understand what these things mean when the constellations, when the stars are in specific places. Why is it doing it? The Torah is not forbidding us to do it because they don't have a truth, because they're, they're, they're stupidity, because they're only done by fools. No. The Torah is forbidding us from doing it, says the Ramban, because of the fact that the Torah wants the world to go in a more pushy, natural way and not attempting to use this outside sources information to attempt to counteract or to countermand what's going to otherwise happen. And this is what Hashem preferred. Says the Ramban, this is, you know, this is sort of similar to the prohibition of Kalayim. Right? You're not allowed to graph two different things together. Why not? Why not? Because what you're doing is not necessarily going to be disgusting. Maybe it'll taste great. Maybe it'll be wonderful. Right? Nectarines are delicious. What's the problem with grafting? The problem is, says the Ramban, because you're being isopoulos nachrios. You're being moilet shinuyim in the teva that we're not meant to be. It could be good. It could be bad. But that's not the reason for the issue of Kalayim. The reason for the issue of Kalayim is that you're introducing things that weren't meant to be there from creation. And says the Ramban, that's the problem with getting to know the future and using astrology as your means to get there. What you're doing is, in effect, attempting to get this information in a way that's going to now prevent you from living a more natural state of existence, from living a more 
ignorant, certainly, state of existence. But that ignorant state of existence is actually what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted. Not for the good or the bad. It could be that there'll be good things if you would know what's going to happen in the future. It could be there'll be bad things if you know what's going to happen in the future. But that's not the point. The point is, you're not to know the future. The point is, you're meant to be ignorant of the future unless you are availing yourself to the approved channels, which are only the Navi or the Urmbetumim, a situation like the one we have for the last 2,000 years where no, neither of those options are available. So then obviously the job is effectively to remain ignorant, to remain unaware of what the future is portending and foretelling based upon those that otherwise have access to it through the wisdom of astrology. That is in effect what the Rambam says in the next section. Then the Ramban goes after the Rambam. He doesn't name him. There's a couple of times in Chumash, and now we're finishing, getting close to our year end on the Ramban. There's only a couple of times in Chumash when the Ramban specifically goes after the Rambam, and only one time with real virulence, which is in the beginning of Parshas Vayera. But most always refers to him in a very respectful way. He always recalls him the same sort of honorifics that he gives to Rashi, as opposed to what he gives to um, the Ibn Ezra. But over here, he doesn't mention the Rambam. He gives him an appellation. And it's not just the Rambam. There are many others. Rashul Barchav and many of the Gainim. And certainly those from Spain that took the approach of the Rambam in terms of rationalism, and that would be, as I say, the, the Ralbag, others, who say, says the, says the Ramban, that what he calls them is, there are many who sort of take an um, approach to, to witchcraft, to this necromancy, Loimar, that they say shame behem ms clown that there's no truth here at all in any of this stuff who's telling the raven who's telling the crane what's gonna be what do you tell me that these birds know what's gonna happen in the future the ramban is calling these people they sort of you know they sort of wipe, you know, wash away their hands of this stuff, because they say they sort of laugh off the ability of anyone uh, to be able to get information from a bird. What does a bird know? He has a bird brain. Says the says the Ramban. The Ramban says, we can't, however, dispute what everybody knows. And to me, this is a great line of the Ramban. Again, as we're finishing our year on the Ramban, to remember another Ramban back in Parshish Nach, where the Ramban there said, in relation to the, to the uh, rainbow, which the Torah seems to indicate is being created now in order to make a sign between humanity and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that Hashem won't bring another flood. And the Rabban over there says, We are forced to believe the words of the Greeks who have shown that it is absolutely possible to recreate a rainbow at will. You just simply take some moisture and you take some sort of a a prism, a glass, and you can have a rainbow. You can have a rainbow willy-nilly whenever you want it. So clearly there was nothing new about a rainbow in the time of the flood. And that's where the Ramban came up with this famous explanation that there was a rainbow, certainly, in the order of nature and when the world was created, but it became weighted down, pregnant with additional meaning as a result of the flood. Here again, we see that the Ramban is saying that he's accepting 
astrology, not because he's proved it, not because there's been any proofs of the veracity of astrology, but listen to the words carefully. We can't contradict words that are so mefursam, that are so so popular. There's so much out there. To everybody who sees. That is, everyone sees the truth and the veracity of astrology. So how can we contradict it? And the people who are attempting to contradict it, the ones who are making fun of it, saying the birds don't know things, they're wrong. they got to be fundamentally wrong because everyone knows that astrology is true. So here again you find the Rambam, I'm sorry, the Ramban following something that he feels forced to do, even if he doesn't necessarily want to do it. And in this case, it seems that perhaps the Ramban did not necessarily want to follow in the idea of saying that astrology is real. Perhaps he was a little bit more hesitant. It's not 100% clear, but perhaps he was a little bit more hesitant. But he felt that it must be true because everyone believes it. Everyone says it. The Ramban then continues, and he says, So it's not only that the world knows that astrology is true, but even the rabbis agreed with it. Even Chazal agreed. Even Chazal agreed that astrology is correct. As we have a medrash, says the Ramban, we have a medrash, The birds and heaven will carry the voice. This is the 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 raven, and the chachmas of understanding that what the birds are, are are saying. This says the Ramban is a good proof of the idea that Chazal accepted the notion that the birds do know something, and really there are many Chazals that the Ramban could have pointed to. He also alludes to an, um, another Gemara, the Gemara in Gitten, a very famous Gemara about Ravi Nachman's, Rav Nachman's daughters. The Gemara says that Rav Nachman's daughters, they used to cook, you know, like my grandmother, like maybe other grandmothers who went through the Holocaust that didn't have feeling so much in the... Uh, in their hands, so they could literally touch the pots without uh, using without using a, a pot holder. And Rav Nachman's daughters, they would stir the pots without having to use ladles or spoons and stuff. They would just put their hands in, and they didn't seem to get burned. And this bothered this rabbi named Rabbi Elish. It bothered him a lot because the Pusik said that there's only one valid woman in a thousand, and here I have all these daughters of Nachman. They're fantastically righteous people if they're able to manage such a feat without getting burned. So the Mora says that <coughs> Rav Ilish, um was, doesn't say literally, but sounds like he gave them some sort of ayin uh, hara about how great they are, and as a result, they all got captured. Rav Nachman's daughters and Rav Elish. And the Gemara says that one day Rav Elish is sitting in, in jail, and next to him, would you know it, is a guy who understands what the birds say. So a raven passes by, and he's cawing, and Rav Elish says to <coughs> Rav Elish says to um, to this per gentleman next to him says, "What did the raven say?" He said, "Rav Elish, you should escape." He didn't pay any heed. He says, "This raven is a a, a lying bird." Then a yaina comes along, says the same thing, and since the yaina is like. The metaphor of 
for the Jewish people. Rav Elish listens to that, and he decides to escape. And before he does so, he figures he's going to go listen to the conversation that's going on with Rav Nachman's daughters and see if they have remained appropriate, in which case he would attempt to rescue them as well. He overhears them talking about how much happier they are with their captors than they were with their husbands, and they much prefer their husbands don't find them. So he decides to escape without them, and he leaves them there. Well, as you know, in the end, Rav Nachman's daughters come back, but Rav is no longer impressed with their ability to make a dinner by putting their hands in a boiling pot and not getting burned. He's no longer bothered by the question of how could it be <coughs> if the Pusik says there's only one righteous woman in a thousand, how can it be all these daughters are so righteous because they're able to perform such a feat, says Rav Nachman, they only did it by virtue of Kishof. They're only able to stir the pot by virtue of magic. So what you see from this story is, A, that the birds have knowledge, and B, that there are people who are practicing Kishof and magic, and that would uh, enable them to perform otherwise impossible feats. That's another example where you see that magic is accepted as an absolute truth um, in Chazal. Another Gemara, of course, is the the Gemara that the Ramban alludes to a little bit, but doesn't quote the Gemara. The Gemara says in the beginning of Chulin that there's nothing aside from our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And according to Rebchanina, that means even Kshafim, even magic has no, no, no validity because Kaddish Baruch Hu controls everything. And if you look at the Gemara carefully over there, the Gemara says that there was a, uh, a sorceress who attempted to do magic by Rebchanina, get some dirt from under his feet, and he laughed and said, you can take as much as you want because you have no power, Hashem controls everything. And this is a disagreement with Rabbi Yechanan, because Rabbi Yechanan says that Keshef is real. And the Gemara says that Rabbi Hanina was just a special case. Keshef is really real, but he was such a tzaddik that the Keshef had no impact on him. That's not, again, the words of Rabbi Hanina himself. The words of Rabbi Hanina himself were that Keshef had no power. Again, you see from this Gemara, certainly this is the country of Rabbi Yechanan, that and, and, you know, the Stabat Gemara that reframes what Rabbi Hanina uh, meant, you see that Kishif is, again, something that's real. It is interesting, parenthetically, to note a uh, very odd Gemara in Shabbos that seems to contradict this. The Gemara in Shabbos, at the end of Shabbos, says a whole list of situations where the mazalis are in a certain spot and what that impacts. And according to Rabbi Hanina, the mazal has to be at a certain hour, not just in a certain day, in order to have the impact. And then the more brings about chlagis between Rabbi Hanina and Rabbi Yechon about whether or not there's a mazal for Yisrael. According to Rabbi Hanina, there is. The, the mazal is the constellations do control even the Jewish people. And according to Rabbi Hanina, they do not. So how does this fit? How does this comport with the Gemara we just said? That according to Rabbi Hanina, nothing has any power except for HaKadosh Baruch Hu not magic, presumably not mazalis, and yet in the Gemara Shabbos he seems to say the opposite, and Rebbe takes on the opposite opinion, um, where he says that there is no kayach by the mazalis of Eklai Yisrael, and yet when it came to Kishof, he absolutely assumed that there is. Perhaps the difference between Kishof and the mazalis, not 100% clear. The Ramban, in a drasha, in one of his famous drashas called the Torah Hashem Tamima. In that drasha, the Ramban said like this. The Ramban said that the the, the drasha itself is is relatively long and about a, a, a variety of different things. 
But in the course of that drasha, the Ramban says like this. The Ramban says that if you believe in a world that existed ad infinitum, if you believe in an eternal universe, then you can't believe in miracles. You don't believe in anything changing nature. There is no ability to change nature because that would mean that there's something outside of the world by definition. Something that's outside of the world is something that's existed before the world, some sort of other power. That means that the world's not eternal. So anyone who believes in an eternal universe cannot believe in miracles, cannot believe in magic. But, says the Ramban, if you believe in miracles, that means if you believe that somebody can, or some power, can affect a miracle, that means that that power exists outside of the world of nature. If it exists outside the world of nature, it means, in a sense, existing outside of that space and time. That means, by definition, you believe in creation ex nihilo. In the same way that if you believe that in relation to a miracle, the same will be true in relation to a magic. So says the Ramban, oddly enough, both magic and miracles teach you about creation ex nihilo. It's not normally that we would think of magic as being a proof to the existence of the divine, but that is one of the points that the Ramban mentions. And he says that Aristotle, he calls him Aristotle, Yimach Shemai, that he believed only in the eternal world. He had to deny magic in the same way he denied miracles because he believes in a world that's always existed. There's no power that exists outside of the world. God as God exists is within this world. And the Ramban continues and he says, really, no one denied God back in the day. If you go back all the way back to the beginning, no one denied God. Why? Because they were closer to creation. They had a good memory of that. They had a good memory of the splitting of the sea, of our Sinai and things of that sort. Um, the Greeks, they were a new nation, says the Ramban. They have no history. They don't remember these things. So therefore, they are only interested in the mortgage. They're only interested in the tactile and the things that they can see and they can touch and they can measure. And therefore, for them, that's the be-all and end-all. It's just what's in this world. There's nothing that came before it. And therefore, they don't believe in the miracle. And they don't believe in the magic. That is what the Ramban says in the Jewish of Torah Hashem Tamima. <coughs> Funnily enough, of course, if you look at the Rambam, you see the exact opposite. The way that the Ramban uses the Greeks as the punching bag, that they don't believe in magic, and they don't believe in miracles, because by definition, they only study what is measurable, they only study what's within space and time, what's within their world. So therefore they cannot accept a God that exists or a power that exists outside of this world. Therefore they can't exist miracles that can counteract nature. And they don't accept magic that can counteract nature. They don't accept anything that can somehow get out of this world. On the other hand, the Rambam says the exact opposite. The Rambam, in a number of places, we're only going to quote two of them. The Rambam in the Mishnah Torah and Hilchas Avadizar says like this: it "says all of these things that I just talked about, all the all that stuff that are forbidden in this week, etc. They're all absolute falsehoods." And they are things with which the uh, earliest of idol worshippers helped to persuade and to convince the peoples of the world to follow. And it's really not worthy of the Jewish people 
who are so wise and understanding to follow in some ways of such stupidity. And he says, If you believe that any of these magical practices have any validity whatsoever, if you think, says the Rabban, if you believe that these things are really true, but the Torah nevertheless prohibited it, which is exactly the opinion of the Ramban. Right? The Ramban said that all these practices are really real. There is truth in magic. It's just that we are not meant to be practicing it. But there is certainly truth to it. Says the, says the Rambam, if you believe that there's really truth to this, but Hashem has told us that we're not allowed to engage with it, then, then really what you are is a fool. Your knowledge is not complete. And really you're, no, you're basically like a child, like a woman who hasn't had a fullness, a completeness of their of their minds. Those that are actually wise, those who have a wholesome understanding, these things that the Torah is forbidding is not because they're legit. The Torah is forbidding these things that are just wastes of time. That this is what all the fools of the world are going after, and the Torah is forbidding us from being a fool. But the Torah is not forbidding things that are legitimate. The, Ram, the Rambam, in a very famous letter, Alexeris Hagechov, in the letter on astrology to the Chachov of Marseille, the Rambam there writes, he says like this, it's an unbelievable letter, and he says, he says, You rabbis of Marseille, you have to understand. The idiots have written thousands of books. These are people who are quite old, many of them, but not in wisdom, just in years. They wasted their life studying astrology. They think that they're spending their life and studying astrology was actually a study of wisdom when it was really a study of stupidity. This is something that the world, most of the world, the majority of the world thinks that this stuff is legit, but it's absolutely not. People think that these books are legitimate because there's so many of them, because so many of them are quite ancient. But he says they're all bunk. And just because a lot of people are doing it doesn't make it any more real. So exactly the opposite of the Ramban. The Ramban had used the fact that everybody believes in it, that it must be true. The Ramban says no. Just because everyone's doing it doesn't make it true. The Ilums are Gailam. They're all a bunch of fools. They're all a bunch of idiots. They have no idea what they're doing. And then the Rambam goes even further and says, this is actually what caused the destruction of the Mikdash. People were so busy with focusing on magical ways to save themselves that they didn't study the ways that one must save themselves in nature, namely warfare tactics, procuring arms, supply lines, etc. Instead, the people were too busy hoping that their necromancy, that their magic would be able to fend off the invaders. And they thought that this magic stuff would help them out in the end. Says do Rabbi say says the Rabbi you should know. I really worked on this. I researched this a lot. And and in fact, the beginning of my studies was in relation to astrology.
וגם קרוסי בניוני עבודה זוהר כולו. זה עושה רעיון כל הבוקס על האידאולוגי, כמדו מליש לניש החיבור בו אלון בניין זה ולא שנה רבי, אשר הציגו עשר משאל השיינס, עד שקרוסי עשרי והבנתי עניון אוויר על תצעיף דייטרי. זה רבי מן אמבליבובל, מן אמבליבובל קליים. that he thinks he's read every single book that has been translated into Arabic on idolatry. This is a lot of research. Says the Rambam, do Rabbi, say, Shekolosim dvorim shalakzir sagechom shem oimim yerkach vakach v'la yerkach vakach umayli deshel adam yimshachaysa shayakach, etc. All of these things, Kolosim advarim enim divrechach maklau tipshu shem. It's all foolhardy nonsense. And then he brings his big And the great scholars, the scholars of Greece, they didn't write a book on astrology. Who wrote the books on astrology? It was the Chaldeans, it was the Chaldeans, it was the Egyptians, it was the Canaanites. These were foolish nations. But not Chachmayavan. who are the true philosophers, who are the true scientists, they didn't deal with astrology at all. And even the Persians acknowledge that there is no truth in astrology. So, exactly the opposite of the Ramban, who looked at the common understanding of the truth of astrology as a proof that it must be right, And of the fact that the Greeks didn't accept it as being a challenge uh, of, for the Greeks, as being something that's mam shimach shimam. And the Rambam is exactly the opposite. Yes, he acknowledges the world disagrees, but fundamentally for the Rambam, there's no such thing as astrology, no matter how many people say that it's true. And not only that, the Greeks are the great proof that there's no truth in astrology. Because the Greeks... who are wonderfully wise, who spent so much time studying and published so many tremendous books about many things, they wrote not a word, not one treatise about astrology. So you have the Ramban, and the Ramban taking absolutely fundamentally diametrically opposed approaches as to the validity of the study of this magic and what We see from the Greeks either a challenge or a proof. I want to conclude with how the Ramban concludes in this section. The Ramban says that, look, at the end of the day, as I mentioned before, there's the earth where we exhibit and we exert power on those around us, on various forms of nature, on various different things that exist in the world. We're always exerting power over it. or challenging the power that's being exerted on us. But above us, said the Ramban, there was a world of constellations, of kachavim mazales, that exerted a hidden power over us. And over them, there was sarim, still additional types of angels, that exist, uh, exerted power over the kachavim mazales. And over them, of course, the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Says the Ramban, When we're talking about it, the, knowing the future, he says you cannot compare the future that they know versus, via magic to the future that HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows the future. He's Mishana Edenna. He knows all of times. He knows what's going to happen. The deepest future. The future that we're talking about here that the Kechav Mazalis can impact, that they have an awareness of, is the immediate future. It's very near term. There's not some deep cosmic understanding of the ultimate future at all. And, says the Ramban, there must be truth here. Shlomo HaMelech himself knew all these wisdoms. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want the Jewish people to engage in these wisdoms. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want the Jewish people to engage in these wisdoms. Why not? Says the, says the Ramban again, Because Bekasha Kola Kotzva Mainva Kismatevis and the Skurs Khaza Pirsha Gaim Vela Shata Yosha Samainva Kismim Mishmo Kichachmasamudas Habois because they're all spending all their wisdom to know what's going to happen in the future. 
Hashem doesn't want you to do that. Hashem forbids you from doing these kinds of things. Shame to have the fun of. Because they are like Tevis, as we pointed out before. Not necessarily every action is David, but generally, somebody's doing all of these things is certainly doing an abomination before God. And that's the reason that these nations will be thrown out. And Hashem is forbidding you from doing the Nichosh or the Kesamim. It's because Hashem has put, raised the Jewish people up above all the other nations in the world. Because Hashem is putting in before you a prophet. He's giving you the Urmatumim. He's giving you other ways to be able to figure out the future. So why are you going to go after the knowledge of the future, which is just the immediate future, from the kechavim mazales, from the birds? Or are you going to go after the navi, the ormetumim, that source is not the kechavim mazales. The source is not the angels on top of the kechavim mazales. The source is Hashem Himself, whose knowledge of the future is not the immediate future, but is of all time. This ultimately is the reason that we are not able to practice, according to the Ramban, any of these magical practices. It's not because that they are not valid. It's not because that they have no basis. They absolutely have a basis. But Hashem wants us to focus on the real thing, not to be taking our attention away by all the noise that's surrounding us, but rather to focus on the real, the real truth. The real truth is that Kodesh Baruch at the end of the world day runs the world. And the way that we are able to keep focus on that is by not involving ourselves in the sort of magical approaches of all the various nations in Canaan and that we find around the world today. Shkayach, have a good Shabbos.